0: Sit down, strap in, and granny put your teeth in your pocket. Lead Lap Radio, powered by HMS Motorsport. The leader in motorsport safety starts now.
1: Welcome to Lead Lap, as we are back for another couple of hours of racing conversation on this Monday night as we broadcast this live. My name is Tom Baker. I am joined in the WSIC Statesville Studios By James Mellick, who was trying to test my ability to scream loud enough for the camera to hear me as opposed to... Cutting my mic on here. So, um, yeah, that was a fail on the producer there. I was looking over here and trying to make
2: sure everything was good and forgot to hit one button. Kind of an important one at that point.
1: Yes, it was. Uh, That's okay, though. We have fun here and we're hoping that uh, you'll enjoy what we've got to uh, bring you tonight for Motorsports Talk. We've got uh, several pieces of sound from over the weekend. I was fortunate enough to be able to be at Charlotte Motor Speedway all weekend long. And uh, we've got um, we picked out a few of the better pieces of sound that I got. Um, and we'll also have more content on Race Chaser Media's Facebook and Twitter pages and probably Instagram as well throughout the week. So make sure that you're Uh, following and liking our pages, Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, we'll have that. But we've got both winners um, to bring to you, some sound from each of the two winners and some other folks as well. It was a really interesting weekend. I thought that the, um, obviously the weather was, it was sunny (laughs) and blue skies and that's good. It was also about ninety-three or ninety-four degrees yesterday, and that was bad uh, for anybody who had to be out in it. And so, uh, mad props, as they say in modern lingo, to um, you know anyone uh, who was who was out throughout the uh, the race and the day yesterday and survived the heat. That was uh, was was quite a day. Um, and of course, you know, for those who don't know. How we do our jobs, I will openly admit that um, we get a pretty cushy setup. We're inside the air conditioning, inside the media center in the infield, and um, watching the race on the TV feed and getting all the uh, uh, inside scoop from NASCAR, et cetera, as it develops. And so, um, you know, we uh, we're very fortunate, and I count uh, myself as very fortunate to be able to. Um, to do that. So, uh, for those of you out in the grandstands, um, you, you're you're the brave ones, and the drivers and the crews and everybody who had to deal with uh, being athletic yesterday and and even on Saturday, Friday and Saturday, um, the brave ones as well. So, with all that, let's uh, let's start to unpack a little bit um, the weekend that was. I'm going to start with the Cup race yesterday because that's the most recent race so we'll start we'll start with cup and then work uh, work back to xfinity first off um i think that the setup going into the weekend or the premise that we were all operating under was that what we saw last year would be what we see this year um and, and that we would have ourselves a really good race well i don't know if we quite achieved that or not I felt like there were way more cautions this year. I felt like there were way more, the the, the driving was way more aggressive, which caused most of the cautions. Um, so I'm not quite sure that we hit, uh, we hit the mark from last year as far as uh, it being a great race. However, there were a number of great stories and of course, none greater perhaps than Chase Elliott's comeback. Uh, James Chase had himself a small miscue.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah small like how i'm there oh yeah understating that I had himself a small miscue uh you know look this is a challenging course i had a chance over the weekend to talk to a number of drivers about this course and every one of them said similar things even if they didn't say them in the exact same language um this course is sort of everything your typical road course is not there's a lot more kind of Elevation change. There's a lot more off-camber kind of, you know, road. And, and you know, it's just a obviously coming uh, through the chicane and back to the finish line and having to slow way down for, for turn one. You know, that was where I think uh, that's traditionally, they call it heartburn turn, and it, it fits. Yeah, the biggest thing
2: I saw that was a difference in it was that they didn't, go through the chicane to restart the race they carried more speed on a restart into turn one than they did any other time all day and that was something i saw that was a little different to me that just makes it hard on the driver being able to judge the speed getting into turn one
1: no question and by the way uh i should mention for anyone who wants to call in and chat with us you can we have a hotline it's the strutmasters.com hotline if you'd like to call in feel free to do so 704 873-1400-704 873-1400 704-873-1400. feel free to give us a call and chat with us uh, you know happy to um, happy to uh, talk with you just keep it family friendly because we are a family friendly show uh, but we'd love to get your input and definitely uh, looking forward to um to hearing from some of you as these coming weeks go by here and we start to kind of i know it's going to take a while for you all to kind of hey they got a call in line now uh we do you can call us and talk with us so if you're listening to us on the performance motorsports network live or if you're watching us live in charlotte on wsic tv 25.2 we do have that hotline 704-873-1400 but you're right getting back to your point james you made it well um I think Jacob Seelman. We can we can chat a little bit. He'll call in about seven thirty, and uh, we'll chat a little bit about this too. But it's that corner and the restarts, especially. Again, this is really like nothing else we see, which in one way is really good. Yeah, it's I love good. the I fact agree. that it's neutral. Um, I didn't love. I, I think as the day has gone on and I've had a chance to really start processing what I saw, I don't know if I don't like the course I do th- I, I had said to a few people earlier today that this race I thought was the race that we would see last year. It was the unmitigated dumpster fire crash fest. nobody you know everybody's gonna drive too aggressively you know we're gonna go bowling. Um, I really thought both of these races should have been sponsored by go Um, you know, I thought this was kind of the race that I feared we'd see last year because the course is just so narrow this, you know, and, and I'll get back to that later, but I'm starting to be of the opinion more as the day has gone on. I've started to kind of swing back to the drivers just need to chill a little bit. I know it's a playoff race, but you can't, you just can't be that aggressive on the restarts. Yeah. They
2: were super aggressive all day. I was at the shop and I heard a couple guys talking about how if you watch an overhead view of one of the restarts with Ryan Newman, how he was just pin-pinging off everything that was in the way, just bing, 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 bing all the way through. And I mean, I understand he's in the playoffs trying to continue fighting for that championship, but um, just having that as a playoff race is tough for the drivers, I think.
1: Well, It, it is, but the drivers have to deal with what they're given. Yeah, they do. Talladega is tough. This is we've we've kind of become so programmed. I think with the current package that we have, the drivers have been programmed all year that the restarts are really the big opportunity to gain spots.
2: Yeah, that's when the drivers see the the biggest time to strike because the arrow advantage right then and there. Right, they and, think that's the time to go.
1: And I th- and I think they took that into this race. And this weekend, and we saw way too many over-aggressive moves, you know, you it going into that turn, once you get the green and you, you all try to slow up, if you're three or four wide going into that turn, it's like trying to squeeze marshmallows into a piggy bank. It's not going to work. No, it's not going to work for sure. You know? S- but I think
2: a lot of this, that what we were seeing this year— came from last year the driver seeing that you had to be aggressive on this track because it was so tight and so, um, so little passing areas and outbreaking people areas that you had to be aggressive. And I think now that they had that time to get used to the track last year, they said, all right, we know where we can be aggressive at, and that's what caused a lot of this.
1: Well, yeah. So in other words, we know where we can be aggressive at. Well, I guess we didn't know where we could be aggressive at. Um, So I blame a lot of this on the driving, I I think. And and even the the new chicane in the back should have made it way better. And we saw a bunch of stuff go on there. I I just I think that we're we're kind of in a situation right now with this where um, I I think some guys are going to have to rethink how they approach it, because, you know, we 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 lost some good cars because drivers were just being silly. Um, And so I think that, uh, I I think there's some things that the drivers could do better with that being said. um, I want to get to in the next segment, I was going to play it in this one. We'll wait till the next time. I want to get to the comments by Chase Elliott to talk about his win. The other, the other uh, thing that we'll get to in the next segment as well, and we can kind of start alluding to it here is The I was really surprised at how inconsistent NASCAR was with the yellow flag. Guys would spin out, no caution. Same guy, another guy spins out, same spot. Shortly thereafter, we get a caution. Um, and I was really confused by that. I don't know what NASCAR's thinking was, and I never did hear or see an explanation as to what how they were differentiating whether they threw the yellow or not. So, I think there's a lot about this race that we can kind of get into as we unpack this show a little bit more deeply. And we've got a whole weekend of, of events and and comments and such to talk about and several pieces of sound to play for you. We'll hear from Chase Elliott for sure in the next segment. Um, and he'll tell us about, uh, what's going on there. So, um, you know, he want, obviously he'll talk about the win. And, you know, that was a, a doggone good comeback by Chase Elliott. I, I think you'll appreciate his comments about his mistake on the restart when he basically locked his brake up and, and threw himself into the wall. Um, but he came back to win, and you're going to hear from him more of the show next.
3: You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Hi, this is Ross Chastain. You're listening to Race Chaser Radio.
1: Now back to the show. Welcome back to Lead Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Tom Baker with you on a Monday night. We are talking motorsports, and we've got lots of sound. We're actually going to hear from Jacob Seelman from SpeedSport, one of our Race Chaser media regulars on the shows here. Um, Jacob's going to call in in about uh, 15 minutes or so. Talk a little bit about his thoughts about the weekend and whatever else we can get them chatting about. But uh, we we got plenty of sound. Um, the first piece of sound that I want to get to from the weekend is from the winner, Chase Elliott. Um, Chase is um, definitely a driver with uh, an, an, un- Almost, it's almost improbable with the run that he has had on the road courses. And I'm going to talk with Jacob about that a little bit um, when he calls in, but um, Chase definitely has done a phenomenal job on the road courses up to now. And as soon as James is ready here, we're going to hit the button and hear from Mr. Chase Elliott.
4: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I definitely, at at the time I thought we were, we were done uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, I could see you know, they were showing it up on the big screen. I could see the big screen down the back, and I was looking at it, and you know, I, I was like, "Well, the hood's not that bad," but I, I thought the splitter was, you know, knocked up, and I felt like if that was going to be the case, then we were probably done um, from there. And, and obviously, just a, a really stupid mistake. I mean, I'm not sure that you could do something more stupid uh, than than that. So, if there ever is a uh, notebook of things not to do. That should be number one. In that uh, in that book, yeah, I was yeah I was curious about it, and I I just didn't I just didn't compensate enough for for the faster pace, and and uh, I mean, yeah, it's nobody's fault but mine. All right, go
0: ahead,
4: front. Hey, it's
6: Pete McCall with AutoRacingOne dot com. You've had uh, your first win came in Watkins Glen a couple years ago. How does this racetrack compare to Watkins Glen as a road course?
4: Uh, It doesn't. I mean, other than you turn right, you know, it's really different, but um, I feel like this track is more similar to Sonoma than, than I think it is Watkins Glen for sure. But, you know, it's still, it's still road course racing and and it's still, uh, you know, the fundamentals I think are, are similar, but the track surface and the condition and everything is definitely, uh, definitely suits uh, more of a Sonoma style than, than Watkins Glen.
6: Peter at TSJ Sports. Chase, you've won races at each of the next three tracks in the round of twelve. Do you anticipate a win coming in the next three weeks?
4: Uh, I hope so. Um, you know, nice to have an extra six points going into the next round for sure. Uh, you know, we'll go to work on Dover on Tuesday and 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 start uh, start our start our prep and uh, you know really really think about the next one. But it's hard to carry anything really from today into next week just because it's you know back back to the ovals and and the, you know, anything we learned today from a road course standpoint obviously we don't have another one the rest of the year but uh can definitely take those six points with you as long as you're alive in this playoff system and hopefully we don't need them but uh you know we got them and and hopefully uh well it's good either way so we have them hey jeff gluck from the athletic uh your celebration is <laughs> obviously in like the hall of fame of celebrations um,
6: what, at what point did it occur to you? Like, you know what, I'm going to just drive it back down there and stuff it in there and
5: do a burnout.
4: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was coming back on the front stretch and I saw that dang thing and I was like, well, I couldn't pass this opportunity up to go down here and redeem myself a little bit in turn one. So, um, I was pretty excited about that one. I'm I'm typically not very quick witted, but I was, uh, I was really, really proud of that. I was pretty fired up and, uh, definitely, you know, it should have never been special uh, in the first place but since I went out of my way to make it special today I felt like I had to go back and and see it one more time
5: all
3: right I believe I had a question here in the middle
7: jay Boyd, independent tribune you didn't sound too pleased with your um, practice on or your qualifying excuse me on Friday but of course practice went really well for you yesterday what were you able to see yesterday that helped you bring it together today
4: yeah that's a good you know a good question friday was was really just a struggle um never uh just never felt like i got into a rhythm friday uh you know spun out there in qualifying made you know made a a dumb mistake there too and and uh you know that that set us back certainly not how you want to start the race middle of the pack you're asking for it you know in 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 there and and getting no you know body damage or or some problems so you know, luckily was able to get our car driving better yesterday in practice, and then stayed out of trouble those hand, you know, first handful of laps, and was able to kind of get strung out and get into a rhythm, and, and then from there felt uh, felt like our, our car was was close.
1: And that was excerpts from the uh, winning press conference after the uh, race on Sunday. Chase Elliott getting the win, and gotta tell you the the vic- the celebration that he referred to. If you weren't there, go find the video. It was pretty spectacular. He drove the car right up, right straight back to the barrier that he hit earlier and did his usual burnout. And then actually, while the, he was doing circles, he jumped out of the car while the car was still apparently in gear or whatever. The car backs up and he's <laughs> It's the other barrier. chases running after it. It was pretty spectacular to watch. But he had a lot of fun with that celebration, and it was well-deserved. Chase Elliott came from dead back of the pack and drove through the pack like a Japanese bullet train. I mean, he was absolutely flying in the last segment, and there was no doubt that he was... Going to catch uh, Kevin Harvick, the question was whether or not he would actually be able to get by him. And, of course, once he caught him, it wasn't very hard to go by him. (laughs) It didn't seem like anyway. Um, And uh, once he got by him, he checked out and there was nobody. There was nobody, nobody coming um, for Chase Elliott once Chase got the lead. Alex Bowman did an amazing job to get to second place. Uh, And Alex has his own comeback story. He had been sick for a good part of the week and into the weekend, managed to do what he had to do, but he was not feeling well. Um, And as hot as it was and as hot as it was inside the car and, you know, you could never stay hydrated enough no matter how hard you try. And that young man, again, had an opening lap incident uh, where he just misjudged and drove into the back of Bubba Wallace. And I think Daniel Suarez was involved a little bit with that too. And, you know, and then of course we had the incident later in the race where he went to pass Bubba and Bubba supposedly flipped him off for a bunch of time. And finally he caught by him um, only after spinning him out. And so, you know, it Again, we had the post-race situation with Bubba and Alex that we can get to a little bit uh, later on. But Alex coming able to rebound from all of that and still finish second and get himself to the next round of the playoffs when Ryan Newman ended up taking himself out in a late race incident where he just blew the chicane and ended up hitting hitting the wall. Um, and that was a shame because Ryan had done such a good job for the most part uh, throughout the race. And, um, you know, it's a shame that they didn't make it to round two because really Roush Fenway Racing deserved that opportunity. Uh, and, of course, with their big news of last week that uh, Chris Busher would take over that uh, the, the 17 car from Ricky Stenhouse in 2020. I know they went into the Roval looking to have a good run with both cars and Ryan certainly ran well. Just didn't have the result that he wanted. So um, tough deal all the way around, I think. Um, You know, I honestly believe that uh, Bowman's comeback and Elliott's comeback were extra spectacular by the fact that Hendrick Motorsports has just been struggling for so long. And this was the one race where I really felt like they all brought it together. William Byron ended up again Starting, I mean, you, you just, this kid knows how to qualify. He and Chad Canales have qualifying down. Byron and Bowman end up in the front row. You had Johnson right in the mix. Um, Elliott time-trialed 19th, and he, he told me uh, when I talked with him about that, he told me that he didn't necessarily believe that they were going to qualify really well, but he did believe that they were going to race well, and boy, he was right. <laughs> so they ended up winning it. Um, but a, a a really good day all all the way around for Hendrick Motorsports. That whole organization just super strong, and it was good to see that. Honestly, now um, one of the other aspects of 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 this, I think, um, that we can we can talk about a little bit. Is Kevin Harvick fading at the end? You look at Stuart Haas racing and you look at the situation that they they're in right now. Harvick uh obviously finishing third. Clint Boyer finishing fourth in the race. I mean, this was this was a good day for them as a whole. Almirola 14th. Um you know, not obviously Kurt Bush got uh, taken out in the late race accident, knocked himself out around two. But I got to tell you, Stuart Haas Racing, Kevin Harvick, Clint Boyer, did themselves proud. Um, and again, uh, this is going to be really, really interesting going, going forward here as we get into round two. Brad Keselowski with a good comeback to P5 at the end. Byron held on for sixth. Martin Truex finished up in 7th, Blaney in 8th, Johnson ninth, and Joey Logano finished 10th. And I got to call out two drivers who were not in the top 10, but they were just outside the top 10. Matt DiMenadetta, once again in the LFR Racing 95, manages to take that car and be competitive with it and did a nice job, just survived the day. And it seemed like he got better and better as it went on. Ended up 11th. And Michael McDowell, who ran in the top five at points during the race, ended up 12th. It was a great run for Michael. And how's this for a weekend? You start the weekend on Friday by going to the hospital with abdominal pain. Justin, talk just t- a little bit where about you, Where you passed two kidney stones. Then you come back to the track. You qualify, and then you go race on Sunday, run in the top five, one of your best runs of the year, and you finish 12th. Again, these drivers are much tougher than me. I don't think I could have done that. Um, it's just, uh, it, was the, it was a good day for racing on Sunday. A lot of drivers exhausted after the race, uh, particularly Bowman, who uh, obviously had the little run-in with, Uh, Bubba that we'll talk about here as we go forward. Jacob Seelman going to join us around the turn. We'll talk more about the Roval and lots more sound. Be right back.
6: Hey, this is Reed Wilson, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the
1: show. Reed's always so upbeat. Welcome back to Lead Lap. Presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. My name is Tom Baker. I am your host of the evening. And joining me on the Strutmasters.com race line right now is none other than Speed Sports. Uh, Jacob Seelman, who also heads up their SprintCarMidget.com website. Um, Jacob's an open-wheeler at heart, like I am, but we both love NASCAR, too. And Jacob's uh, on to chat with us about the Roval and what happened over the weekend. And, uh, you know, I feel like... Uh, Between you and I, Jacob, we can probably keep going with this until about 11.30, but um, we've only got an hour and a half, and you've got to to be concerned with another show after this. So, let's just start with your overall thoughts on the Roval from the weekend.
7: Well, I'll be honest with you. uh, I think some of my overall thoughts are actually going to disagree with you a little bit. Shocking, I know, because it's like we never agree on anything. Um, (laughs) But... Not on purpose, anyway. <laughs> no, no, not purpose, but, um, all thing, You know what, though, all things considered, as much doom and gloom as everybody is talking about Saturday and Sunday, and and yes, I'm going to be right along with them in the fact that attendance sucked, and and, and let's just get that out of the way right now. Yeah, it attendance, did. and I'm really, I'm disappointed. I, I'm, I just really hang my head for charlotte Motor speedway to see the track the track that i grew up at just not have a good weekend like that i never want to see that for any facility but it seems i i think maybe you know growing up there and and having been there as long as i have i feel like maybe we've been spoiled to see a lot of pretty good crowds yeah. for quite a while there so to see one that bad it just really bummed me out but i I just don't feel like the racing was quite as bad as social media would lead it to believe. Yes, I get that there's a certain level of skill involved. Yes, I get there's a certain level of respect that you have to have at this racetrack in order to make it not look, I don't want to use the words dumpster fire, but in order to do it successfully. But at the end of the day, these are supposed to be the best stock car drivers in the world, right? So if we... It, we can find it in ourselves to do what we did last year, or at least they ought to be able to, to go out there and race with a little respect and not be stupid. Half the problems that we saw, I feel like, could have been easily fixed and made for a lot better race if people just used their heads a little bit. But stop and consider. We watched Chase Elliott drive off the cliff, as Tab Boyd so eloquently put it a year ago and still come all the way back through from 31st and win the race. We saw Alex Bowman restart sixth with a car that had no business of driving all the way to second because it hadn't run there all day long, put on the drive of his career, I would say, to get into a position to be able to advance into the next round, we saw Clint Boyer do some impressive things throughout the day. I mean, it's not like nobody could pass anybody all day. There were guys that could make moves, and there were guys that could do it very successfully. But there were also a lot of guys that did really stupid moves throughout the day, and I think that's what's kind of overshadowing some of this. I Was it as good as last year? Not necessarily, but... Was it a bad race? I'm not going to call it a bad race because I really did still like some of the things that I saw.
1: Well, well, so did I, but I just feel like, and and again, um, you know, in my opening segment, I talked about the fact that I think this is more a driver issue as I've been thinking about it through the the day and, you know, and, and kind of just processing what I watched. I think it's more a driver issue, but Here's, here's the thing. Here are the things that I thought were the negatives. One, obviously, the crowd. Um, two, uh, the random cautions. I mean, how, you know, it was interesting because after the race, several drivers were asked, you know, how do you define a caution? They had no idea. Based on what they saw, they had no idea. It was as if NASCAR flipped a coin when a car spun out or whatever and decided whether it was going to be a caution flag or not by whether it was heads or tails. And you know, I'm used to NASCAR being, I mean, look, they're humans. So they're going to, they're going to once in a while throw a caution too soon or whatever. But um, this was even for humans, this one was exceedingly random and we all were thinking about it in the uh, talking about it in the media center and the and the drivers and crews were talking about it on the radio during the race and still after the race. I don't really know what NASCAR was was doing there. Um, I just thought that in many ways this was a bit of a sloppy race. I I just it wasn't what I expected based on last year's race. I don't think a lot of guys drove with the amount of respect that they should have. Um, as I said to James the you know earlier on the in the show, I think some of it may be that they've been so programmed all year to think that restarts are the only place they can pass because when we go to these mile and a half tracks and everybody spreads out it's very difficult to advance um, you, you know this is a track where the last thing we need is three wide going into uh, a heartburn turn because you can barely handle two and so I, I just thought that it was a sloppier version of the Roval to say the least um, than, than what last year's was I didn't say it was a terrible race but it was certainly, you know, filled with calamity. And I, and I think these guys are going to have to rethink how they race this course for next year, knowing full well it's going to be a cutoff race again. You know, some of these guys took themselves right out of the picture just being over aggressive.
7: I would agree with that. Um, now, in regards to the caution, I, I hate to play the beat up on NASCAR card, but here's my stance on that. Dear NASCAR, this is a road course. That means somebody can spin out and get back going, and we don't always need a caution just right. because somebody spun out. You, you have people spin out all the time in a corner at Sonoma and at Watkins Glen going just as fast as you were at the Roval, and we don't throw cautions. So why we feel the need to have to throw cautions just as we're at the Roval and somebody spins, I don't agree with. Now, I also want to keep in mind there was a different race director at the helm for last year's Roval race. And, I, you know, I, I'm not going to point fingers and say this person did this or this person didn't do this. But I am going to say perhaps there need to be some internal discussions before next year that, you know, NASCAR as a sanctioning body and and those at the race director position need to really think about this and, and perhaps go back to what worked last year as opposed to this year, which definitely did not work because there were several. And, and uh, Tab Boyd on William Byron's radio and even Chad right. Knauss, uh that first caution, I think, was it, was it Ryan Priest, the first spin in the back chicane that, that I think Boyd it came over yeah. Byron's radio and went, yeah. You know, what, what was that for? Because that, it, it blew my mind, honestly, because that, you know, that, I felt that caution was was one of several that were completely unnecessary. He spun out of the way. He was out of the way of the chicane. He got he was going to get keep going and be just fine. We didn't need a caution for that. It's, it's those kind of things that bothered me about this race on Sunday, not necessarily, you know, some, some of the other things that couldn't be helped. These are things that could be helped.
1: Well, I agree, and you know you you had situations where those ca the, you know caution flags directly affected uh you know the race itself. I mean, it it was um you know the the one caution that occurred um that ended up on the restart b- taking out Eric Jones in a you know in a crash uh that was again caused by you know, by having to have a restart, I think that honestly, again, you had some of these yellows that directly affected the race itself. And, you know, I just thought NASCAR was, even for NASCAR, I thought very much, in fact, it was the Priest caution that ended up uh, taking out Eric Jones. And, you know, that was a, a situation where I just didn't think, as you said, I didn't think we needed that yellow. It was on that subsequent restart that uh, some guys got together and Jones just got caught out on the outside and ended up uh, ended up hitting the wall and uh, you know, so I, I don't know I don't know what you do with that. I just again, I thought it was a sloppier race um, than usual and I think NASCAR needs to tighten it up. And I think the drivers definitely needed to tighten it up. Um, but you're right. There was some good racing within the race for sure. And, you know, the points race was back and forth, um, you know, as far as the cutoff was back and forth through the entire duration, basically.
7: Absolutely. And, that, and for, for me, that's the argument that I have for absolutely keeping this. As a cutoff race going into the future, I know we've got what we've got for twenty twenty. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. I'm because the dra- the dramatics of that points battle going down to the final couple of laps with Alex Bowman, with Eric Almirola, with with Ryan Newman. You can't script that kind of intensity. Those three guys, and I and I got to give a call to those to all three of those guys, even though Newman and Almirola didn't advance. Newman, Almirola, and Bowman were the three guys around that cut line that absolutely drove their guts out. Much like Kyle Larson did a year ago in the inaugural Volvo race, drove their guts out to have a shot at it. Props to Bowman for doing what he had to to get in. But, I mean, shoot, we don't think of Ryan Newman is a road racer, and yet he... Up, you know, up until that last couple of moments where he blew the chicane there and ended up with a time penalty that really put him out of it. Right. Who would have thought, Ron Newman really would have had a chance at this? You know, th- th- these are the kind of things that, for me, were, were fun, made me right. good, and and really bring value to what the Roval is and why we ought to keep it. I, I, Marcus Smith and the folks at SMI have had a great concept here. I just think, you know, we need to massage on it and go back to some things that worked in the inaugural races, you know, as opposed to some things that we tried this year that really right. didn't
5: work.
1: And with that, we step aside. More League Lap presented by HMS Motorsport
3: right after this.
5: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
8: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
4: Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Race Chaser
1: Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Lead Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You, yes, you can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com, and you should, by golly, if you're looking for anything that is related to driver safety gear. And, oh, by the way, they have race RaceCom radio systems as well. So if you need a radio system for your racing vehicle or your race team. Racecom radios will take care of you very nicely. Hms strutmasters.com, the suspension experts takes care of our hotline for us, our race line, if you will. And that is where we have Jacob Sealman from Speed Sport and SprintcarMidget.com. We're talking roval and talking just generalities for now, but um I want to get into the specific incident that took place, or series of incidents that took place between Alex Bowman and Bubba Wallace over the course of the day, Jacob. And I'm, I'll go through the scenarios, and then I want to get your take, and then I'll I'll give my take on it as well after you. Um, this started on lap one. When Alex Bowman just completely misjudged, uh, just it would call it brain fade, call it whatever you want. He drove into the back of Bubba Wallace, damaged Bubba's car, damaged uh, Suarez's car a little bit. Um, both of them, all of them, continued. But um, that was the first shot that was fired, if you will. The next shot was when Alex came up to. Past Bubba. Bubba started giving him the old, hey, you're number one with a finger. That's known as flipping the bird. Um, And he did it numerous times, I guess, according to Alex. And Alex finally got tired of it and dumped him. Just spun him out. So then after the race, Alex was being attended to at his car. He was kind of laying down on the ground or kind of slumped on the ground, if you will. Um, And you had uh, Jeff Gordon, I think, was over there. You had, uh, obviously, a, a, a medic over there tending to him. And Bubba came over with what I think was actually um, not water. I think it was actually a blue, like, Gatorade or something. And just sort of splashed it um, on Alex after saying some words um, that we're not going to repeat here. And then told the press basically what he why he did what he did. Um Jacob, your take on kind of the whole situation. Um I guess we'll start with this question. Bubba right or Bubba wrong? Bubba's absolutely
7: wrong. Now Regardless of your thoughts on the whole finger-out-the-window incident, which is not the first time this has happened in professional motorsport, and it won't be the last. Trust me, I know. But regardless of your feelings on that whole deal, his actions after the race, when Alex Bowman is being, not just receiving medical attention, that was the head medical director for NASCAR that was tending to Alex, because he had been sick all weekend, and, you know, there was a lot going on there. Yeah, that was. So uncalled for, so over the line. I, I don't even have words for my feelings on that. Because I, I was appalled, quite frankly, that Bubba would stoop to that level, and then you know, accuse Alex of quote playing the sick card end quote. And I got to agree with something that Kyle Petty said: if Alex was if Alex was acting, he deserves an Oscar for that performance because. I mean, I mean, my gosh, he—he he certainly looked the part, didn't he? No, I, it's absolutely ridiculous, and Bubba ought to be ashamed of himself for for the way he acted after the race. You know, I'm I'm not going to get into the right or wrong of of the the on-track finger-out-the-window deal because drivers do it all the time. We've seen that for decades, and it's not going to change anytime soon. But he crossed the line with. With that little stunt after the race, and I believe there will be repercussions from it. Steve O'Donnell was saying this morning on SiriusXM's The Morning Drive that there were going to be uh, conversations and potential consequences for Bubba um, out of this. So we'll we'll just have to stay tuned and see exactly what does come of that. But you know, not uh, uh, from a media standpoint and from uh, the fan side of me that has always appreciated a what Bubba has been doing in the sport and the personality that he brings to the sport. I lost a lot of respect for him on Sunday for how he treated that whole situation. Not that some of what Alex did was right either. I'm not saying that. They both could have handled it a lot better than they did. But I lost a lot of respect for Bubba for how he treated that situation after the race.
1: What would you What would you have wanted Bubba to do? I mean uh, is the problem that Bubba confronted him at all, or is the problem for you that Bubba confronted him in that scenario while he was being tended to?
7: Absolutely confronted him, you know, while he was being tended okay. to in that scenario. It, you know, if he's if he's not receiving medical attention, if he's normal, okay, and, and you want to get into it, you know, NASCAR's always preached, the boys have at it and police yourselves. Then, I, you know, I'm not going to stop a guy for that, but don't kick don't kick a guy while he's down. I learned that from a very early age and I you know, I subscribe to time and place and that was not the time nor the place. If you wanna deal with it, get with the guy afterwards at the hauler, you know, call him, yell, scream, complain, do whatever you need to do. But those you know, those two grew up racing together for a while and now there there were a lot better ways and and situations and places to be able to handle that than the way Bubba did while Alex was clearly not well and and being tended to by medical officials.
1: Well, I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Here's my take on this. First of all, um, okay, Alex hit Bubba in lap one. Was it dumb? Yes. Um. I, I'm sure Alex would agree with that, um, but look, I know that you say, well, people have been throwing the middle finger for years, they're going to keep doing it, but Dale Hart Jr. said that he actually used to do it a lot when he was younger, and he stopped doing it because he realized that it really made people mad when he did it. Um, you know, it made the situation worse, especially, you know, and, and when somebody did it to him, it made him mad. So his take on it was if if it's going to make me mad that somebody's giving me the finger, then I ought to not do it to somebody else. So he found other ways to communicate. Um, and to me, you know, Bubba's had like this running history this year with the metal finger. I think it's ignorant. Personally, I, I just, I think the gesture is an ignorant gesture. It it makes you 12, in my opinion. It doesn't do anything good. Um, you know, whoop-dee-doo, I let him know I was mad at him. Who cares? Um, with that being said, Alex, you're fighting for round two of the playoffs. He gave you the finger, dude. He didn't, he didn't bang off you. He didn't, he wasn't ramming into you. He didn't, you know, aggressively block you. He, he gave you the finger, dude. Really? You're going to be triggered by somebody giving you the finger. I mean, again, look over and go, what are you 12 and, you know, and drive by the man and keep going. I mean, I, I can't. To be very honest here, to me, none of this ever should have happened. I mean, if if Bubba was going to be mad because uh, Alex drove into him on the first lap, then, you know, Bubba needs to check himself at the door because he's had his share of crashes. Um, and, and, and people ended up being victims of some of those crashes. They weren't all one-car incidents. Um, you know, it's it's... It's two drivers who, to me, are way too sensitive and way too easily triggered by other people, and they both need to step up their mental game because the the number one reason why Dale Earnhardt won seven championships was that his mental game was better than everybody else's mental game, probably in the history of the sport. It got to the point where you'd see that Black good Wrench hood pulling up on you in your mirror and you would blow a corner just from seeing it. He wouldn't even have to hit you. Um, you know, it's, I just, this, that whole thing to me was just silly. I think, uh, I, I, you know, Richard Petty is, I, I would guess that Richard probably gave Bubba a different finger as in the, the first finger in the chest. Um, you know, boy, don't be doing that kind of stuff. Um, you know about the the incident afterward, which I agree was totally uncalled for. But you know what? If we look at it in context, if Alex wasn't sick, he threw water on him or threw Gatorade on him. Here again, isn't that what two girls do when they fight? I mean, they, they get in a tiff and they they splash their drink on each other or something. I <laughs> to me, this whole thing um, was just really bad theater on both of yeah. their parts. You <laughs> know, um, <Absolutely>. so. <laughs> That's kind of my take on it. Is I, I um, you know, uh, you got about thirty seconds.
7: I, well, I was going to say I know we're short on time. I just want to point out two quick things before uh, you guys run off to break on me. Number one, um, we need to give props to Chase Elliott. I don't think people realize just what a feat him driving all the way back through the field on that course. Really was, and consider that now half of his six career victories have come on road courses. Right. I'm not going to call him best road course driver in the sport right now, but he's pretty darn close. And second thing, to go to the Xfinity Series, it just made my heart warm to see A.J. Allmendinger win a race for the first time in five years on Saturday. I don't care your thoughts on whether Saturday was good race, bad race, indifferent race. I loved seeing A.J. Allmendinger win again. I love well, his passion for the sport and i love the entertainment.
1: Well, we're going to talk about both of those things next segment, we'll be right back.
7: When do
8: you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online.
5: Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meinecke 302-827-2054. Is your job sucking the life
1: out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses.
5: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council.
9: Hi, this is Ty Ankrum, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. So, the lab presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com tom baker with you in the studio here at wsic uh, radio tv we are live on the performance motorsports network that is where jacob Seelman is talking to us from right now on the strutmasters.com race line and of course uh, want to talk about my computer career a little bit later on in the show as well one of our other uh Major supporters here. Got to tell you a little bit about what's going on with them. So we'll get to that afterward. We were talking Roval. We've been talking Cup. And Jacob made a a point uh, before the break about uh, Chase Elliott and just how uh, amazing his comeback win was. And I wanted to talk about that because... You know I I think it's funny because it was just a year ago at Watkins Glen that Chase got his first win in the cup series at Watkins Glen on the road course and it seems like all of a sudden he's become Boris Said without the fro. I'll
2: just jump in there and say something real quick since I have a second here before Jacob chimed in. Um Remember who he took over for in that 24 car. And remember, he was a road course specialist himself. So is there something weird about that? Well,
1: I, you know what? Jeff was good on the road courses, but I don't know if I'd call him a specialist. I mean, I,
2: he could win at all of them, but he won well, a yeah. lot of road yeah. course I races. Mean, he
1: was definitely good on the road courses, but I know what you're saying. I just, uh, Jacob, it's amazing to me how all of a sudden Bill Elliott's just become this monster on road courses. Doesn't matter where we go.
7: I, I, by the way, you time warped. I believe you meant Chase Elliott as, as opposed to his father. Although oh, his I just,
1: father did. I was just going to say because that's 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 in my notes to bring up while we still have you uh, was the fact that the two of them won on the same weekend. But uh, so I guess I tra- transposed them there. But uh, yeah, all of a sudden Chase Elliott's just become this monster road course driver, and I have no idea why. And I don't think he does either, honestly.
7: No, I'm not sure that he does, but I just think it's a skill set that really, he's a very smooth, very calculated driver, I feel like, and that's what it takes to be successful on road courses, and I feel like that's what has made Chase so good on road courses, he's got two at Watkins Glen now, he's got one at the Roval, if he wins at Sonoma, uh, you know, we're we're really going to call him a, a serious threat no matter which road course you go to. And uh, Mellick's absolutely right. So he took over for Jeff Gordon, who had nine wins between Watkins Glen and Sonoma and really was the best driver of the era when it came to road course racing. So I feel like Chase has uh, continued that heritage at Hendrick Motorsports very well. But I also think it's a testament to how good – that race car that he had underneath him Sunday really was that he could just drive back through there, even with the little bit of damage he suffered over there when he buried it in heartburn turn to come back and win that race the way he did and just drive away at the end. I mean, that, that was a race car that you don't get every day. And I think chase would attest to that.
1: Well, I agree. Uh, You know, he, he just looks so good. And I think that's why when he, had that incident and, you know, and drove into the barrier, um, you know, I, he really thought his day was done and he made no bones about the fact that, you know, it was about as dumb a move as, you know, as you could ever make. And he, you know, he was thinking to himself that, you know, he just, uh, he just blew it big time. And then, you know, uh, as it turns out, not really enough damage to hurt him too badly. And, you know, He went out and came back and won the thing, which is kind of what you're supposed to do when you make a mistake. You, uh, you get redemption by correcting it, and boy, he certainly took care of that.
7: Yeah, he really did. He corrected it in a big way, and then after the race, he went back down to that exact spot and proceeded to celebrate with a gigantic, and might I say tremendous, Burnout. That's one of the be- best victory celebrations I've seen in quite some time. Now, maybe jumping out of the car while it was still in gear and having it roll away wasn't necessarily <laughs> the best thing, but yeah. it was funny. I'll give that. You know, <laughs>
1: Hey, Chase, your race car's leaving. You know, it's headed to victory lane. You know uh, you might want to catch up with it. Uh, it was crazy, honestly. I, I James, you want to jump in here?
2: Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I believe his first ARCA race win came on a road course, too, for Chase, I think. I think,
7: uh, if I remember right, it was at uh, New Jersey Motorsports Park. It right? may have been. That's what
2: I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking his first ARCA win came at New Jersey, so I thought his first ARCA win was a road course as well.
1: It's interesting. I know I mean he's you know, he's obviously been successful. He won in uh he he I think he won one in Canada too in the truck series, if I remember
7: correctly. Um so he's been Of course he did. That was that was. remember that was the race he dumped Ty Dylan in turn oh, ten. That's right. Yeah, That, that was right. the race that started the lore of the infamous Turn 10 at CTMP.
1: Yeah, uh, that continues to this day. Uh, but a fine job for sure by Chase Elliott. Uh, I want to transition us to the Xfinity series for a little bit. Um, and we actually have some sound that um, I got from A.J. Allmendinger's post-race presser. So go ahead, and James, and hit that, and we'll listen and talk about it. Oh, Okay, so we're going to keep going with Jacob, I guess. Uh, we'll get to the sound in a moment. But uh, Jacob, he was, honestly, he he came in, uh, basically skipped in to the, uh, <laughs> to the press conference. Um, he was just on fire. I mean, you know, that was, a, do you have the sound? Okay, we got the sound. Let's go ahead and hear that.
9: AJ, congratulations. Uh, what I believe is your final race of 2019. Um, and NASCAR's most unique course, the Roval. Uh, talk about the the win there and how challenging it was out there, please. Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was for sure challenging. It's this racetrack's so fun. I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, it's, I said it last year. It Takes me back to my my Champ Car days. is a It's a street course that if you make a small bida- mistake, it's usually huge consequences. So it makes it fun to race on, uh, but very difficult. And you know, we've everybody at College Racing. We we've worked hard to try to make our race cars faster, and we've improved them from. Walkins Glen till now and uh, you know it was so critical to get up front I when I was behind the 20 or or like the double zero or the 98 I'd start using the tires up I just couldn't kind of dictate my own pace so I was knew I had to be very aggressive behind Christopher early in that last run to get around him and I felt like if I got around him I could at least dictate my own pace and then really see from there what kind of speed we had and, and we had a lot of speed we were able to to start pulling away from him. I thought, you know, maybe Chase Briscoe was probably the the quickest car out there. If he could could have got the second, might have had a chance uh to get us. But, you know, from there just try to pace myself. And then those last how many restarts was just trying to be uh trying to just change it up enough. So Austin just uh couldn't quite figure it out. I knew just I needed about a half a car into turn one. And you know, it was really nice having Tyler Reddick behind me because we've worked well on the on the road courses together he kept telling me that you know he needed me to help him and then he'd somehow out qualify me every race and uh i mean the kid can wheel a race car so i knew he wouldn't be too aggressive on the restart so i could just really focus on the 22 and try to get clean off of turn one and then once we did that i knew i could kind of just drive away
6: aj pete mccall with auto racing one.com You've had a couple of races this season where you've had some bad luck with this disqualification. Does <laughs> that weigh in the way in your mind a lot when you're when you're racing out there and also when you took the checkered flag today would that cross your mind at all?
9: I mean I I hell, I'd would lie if I said it hasn't crossed my mind. Have we do we pass? Have we passed it? Anyway, I'm not gonna say anything yet. Um, no, I mean both both DQs, we know what happened. It was it was uh you know, at, at Daytona, it was something that was a, a mistake, kind of in the in the engine department a little bit, and, and we know what happened there. It was never intent to to uh, to improve, and it happened late in the race, so unfortunately, it wasn't there the whole time. Uh, and then Watkins Glen was just a self-induced error on the team. You know, we made a mistake on on not getting it. Uh, not putting the right stuff in the back of the race car. So throughout the course of the race, it was just lowering itself, which told him, I said, if we're going to cheat, we probably should do it better because that thing was miserable to drive (laughs) with the back of the car slammed. So point being, you know, it was self, it was, it's, we deserved it. It was self-induced mistakes, but, um, you know, for me, I, all I can do is go out there and drive the wheels off it. And, and whatever happens after that happens after that. You know, I know that, Whatever whatever happened today, I, I gave everything I had, and, and whatever the result was going to be, it's going to be.
1: Okay, so, Jacob, a lot to unpack there. First of all, like I said, he practically skipped into the press conference. He was just so happy to have gotten that win, not just for himself, but for Colleague Racing. And we can talk about Matt Colleague and Chris Rice in a moment because they were... Um, We'll have sound on, on Race Chaser Media here tomorrow from them. But Jacob, it, it th- this win for AJ, it, I mean, he, the one thing he said is he's not auditioning. He doesn't want to be full-time in anything at this point, but he's willing to run some more races for Colleague um, if they want him to next year. But um, it was still a huge win for him and a bit of redemption all the way around.
7: Absolutely, it was redemption, and I think it was a big deal for AJ to go out and get this done and prove, hey, I can still do this. You know, I wasn't really happy with the circumstances that led to him leaving the Cup Series in the first place. That was a real bummer for for him and for you know just really everything surrounding that. But to see him land on his feet, not just with the NBC TV deal, but to come back, do a partial schedule in you know, the college car, do a handful of sports car races here and there and be successful in everything he's done this year, I think was a big deal for AJ just to prove that he is still very much the driver that a lot of people believed he could be. He was just kind of in not the best circumstances for a while. You know, he's proven he's still a winning capable driver and backed it up with what I call a virtual, a virtually flawless performance right. on Saturday. He got the lead. He never gave it up again. And yep. I think it was a statement win for AJ, a statement win for that team. College Racing is not
3: going anywhere anytime soon, no. and this is further proof of that.
1: And neither is AJ with them. We'll be back with more in a moment.
3: You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving.
6: but it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today, and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force.
0: Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. We still have Jacob Seelman on the line with us. And we were talking about uh, the Xfinity race and A.J. Allmendinger getting the win. We heard his uh, comments post-race. And the part that we didn't talk about was where he discussed the earlier DQs. And it was funny... It was obvious that he was measuring his words, Jacob, but he, you know, he wasn't shy about saying, hey, that, you know, both of them were basically our fault. We deserved them both. And it was really funny because, um, you know, he he wanted to know, are we clear? Are we clear? Well, we are. We weren't clear at that point. Uh, But eventually, of course, uh, they did clear tech and he ended up getting the win. Um, He made it abundantly clear that he was happy to come back and run some more races for uh, colleague next year. And and Matt colleague and Chris Rice had done a presser prior to AJ getting into the media center. And the first thing Chris Rice said is um, the speedway races or the uh, rather the road course races and the speedway races are, all about AJ Allmendinger if if he'll come back and do it we we want him back so um, you know it it uh, it does appear that we're going to see AJ back in the ten car or uh, perhaps a third car if they get a second full time driver which was not ruled out on Saturday but it was made clear that right now they don't have the necessary um, funding to to put the second car full time into action. Uh, they also pretty much said that uh, Ross would get the first call if he you know, didn't get something else uh, prior to that. So uh, a lot was kind of revealed in the post-race pressers after the race, Jacob, but it does look like AJ is going to be back in a part-time capacity once again next year, which I think is awesome.
7: Who wouldn't want AJ Allmendinger in a part-time capacity on speedways and road courses? Yeah, really. Tracks traditionally absolutely shined on and... Yeah, I, I think what Chris Rice and Matt Collig have built, especially this year, has been tremendous. To see them evolve into a true race-winning and playoff-contending operation has been just very rewarding to watch and to see for them. And and it, it's why my heart broke when that, uh, I think it was a track bar mount issue, happened on Justin Haley's car that has put him in a must-win situation yeah. going to Dover. Because that, that's a car that should easily... Be a second round contender in the round of eight that may not get a chance to if they can't go out and really have a, a, a remarkable day this coming weekend at the monster mile, but you know regardless of whether the eleven car advances to the round of eight or not what the strides that colleague has made this year to go from i'm not going to say mediocre but middle of the road we can run on the fringes of the playoffs to maybe sneak into the playoffs to strong playoff contender and can win with the right driver. And don't get me wrong. I believe Justin Haley is also one of those right drivers. He's just had a ton of bad luck this year. Well, those drives have been great this year. And I love seeing that for them because they're just good guys, Matt Colligan, Chris Rice both.
1: They are. And Chris Rice agrees with you about Justin. Chris's comments about Justin after the race, where that he believes that next year we see a championship run from him that, uh, you know, it obviously kind of took a while. Yeah. He believes that, uh, Justin's capable of that. And of course, you know, with the the situation that we had with the loss of his crew chief, um, you know, and the crew chief that he has now, Alex Johns obviously is, uh, you know, he was he went into the weekend, this was going to be his third race as a crew chief. Alex is a very bright young young man who I remember uh, from the late models when he raced. And he was a good racer. Um, and he's another one of these Cliff Daniels types that I think is going to be a great crew chief. He and Justin, Justin told me they were getting along very well and they were coming together nicely. But, you know, the a it's a tough... um tough situation in so early on in someone's career to get thrown into that. So yes, he, he, he specifically said that he believed that uh, Justin would be capable of a, of a championship run next year. Um, And, you know, again, with, with them wanting to have Ross back, wanting to bring back AJ for a part-time schedule, colleague racing is, has grown tremendously over the course of this season and, I honestly think that uh, it's it's almost like watching the growth of Furniture Row Racing, um, how they elevated themselves as a smaller team. That's what I feel like I'm watching here, only, of course, in the Xfinity Series. And so, you know, it was interesting to see him get this win and interesting to see him muscle uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris Bell out of the way to do it. I think Chase Briscoe actually had the car to beat, but he just couldn't get there to even try to make a run.
7: I tend to agree with that. And that race, you know, when you have cars that are close to the level of being the best car there, even if they're not quite the best car there, right. if you can get them into into track position and clean air, a driver like AJ, who's able to squeeze that little bit more out of it, is going to be able to hold it. So I think that was where the difference came in. I'd have loved to have seen a heads-up battle between... Briscoe and Almondinger at the end of that race. I think that would have just been really well, fun, but it is uh you we we, loved, we got what we got and it was still fun. You
1: might have loved it, but I don't think AJ would have loved it. AJ basically he was, you know, he's like I, I think I think Chase had the car to beat, but you know, he, he thankfully I think in AJ's mind he didn't he just didn't get there because uh, I don't think AJ wanted to have to deal with him. I think he wanted to just get out and get gone as it was, of course, uh, you know, as it ended up, um, you know, Almendinger getting the win, Reddick. Um, you know, you look at at, uh, at, at the, the way this this shakes out, you know, gosh, I mean, Almendinger, Reddick, Sendrick, Allgaier, Gregson. And can we give some love to Alex LeBay? Road course specialist yeah. ends up P six to me. Career best. Fantastic.
5: Career best. Yeah,
7: absolutely. Yeah. And the, the kind of performance that we, we've seen flashes from him on some of the other road courses, mid Ohio in the rain comes to mind. And even road America, uh, one of the years comes yeah. to mind for Alex, LeBay. but this was the race where for him, it finally all came together. And, that, to me, was great to see for him. He's a great young Canadian prospect, former NASCAR or past NASCAR Pinty Series champion who really has made strides with uh, Mario Goslin and DGM Racing in yeah. the Xfinity Series. So ju- just really happy to see him have some success. And obviously, we've seen that association with that 90 car pay dividends for the Bassett Brothers this year, too. So it's, yeah, it's all have. building all the drivers that have been in that car this year yeah and i
1: love that uh that uh, the bassets are running uh a down syndrome uh awareness livery for the month of october on that uh that car so uh i think that's cool they've mm-hmm. got three down syndrome siblings and uh you know they they've they have literally lived that, and um, I think it's awesome they're doing that. So Nemec finished in seventh, a good run for John Hunter Custer eighth, Briscoe ending up ninth. It wasn't a great last segment for him, unfortunately, and no. Truex finishing in tenth. Um, I think that uh, you know we look at the playoffs in Xfinity, and of course, again keeping in mind that uh, the Xfinity playoffs have one race left to go um, before they actually chop the field. And so, you know, you look at the drivers that are uh, up front here. You got Bell, Custer, Reddick, Sendrick, Allgaier, Briscoe, Gregson, and Michael Annette. You'll you'll uh, be able to hear sound from him on Race Chaser Media tomorrow. Uh, I had a chance to talk with Michael a bit after the race and you know what survival of the fittest for him, but he got there and he's put himself in a position where he's 11 points. Uh, he is on the, on the cutoff 11 points above Brandon Jones and John Hunter Nemechek, And, you know, again uh, you know, those are two guys who really need basically to, they're, they're going to have to win to get in. Um, you know, most of the uh, most of the opportunities, uh, I think our, our favoring Michael Annette right now, although 11 points isn't great, it's not even half half the field, but I think if Annette just does what Junior Motorsports is capable of, um, I, I think you'll see him squeak in. But it'll be interesting. I'm just not feeling that either Jones or Nemechek are strong enough right now to uh, to make that happen. What do you think?
7: I tend to agree with you on that. Now, when you, when you look at this, just for to, to play – all the scenarios out here. Yeah. Christopher Bell obviously is locked in with the win. Yep. Cole Custer is locked in on points. Tyler Reddick is not necessarily locked in on points, but all he's going to need, I believe, is nine points uh, at Dover, whether that's stage points or race points to be able to clinch himself in. Eleven points for Cindric to be able to clinch yeah. himself in. Those two are likely pretty safe. Even Allgaier, I would say, is relatively safe barring some sort of catastrophic disaster uh you know when, when you get down towards Briscoe, gregson annette area one bad thing happening an, an engine issue uh you know some sort of mechanical problem that puts you in the garage for a while you're not necessarily safe here. And well, those are fair. the kinds of situations that I think Brandon Jones and John Hunter if they're going to advance need to be able to capitalize on.
1: Yeah, I guess barring, I should have qualified my statement to, to say barring any unforeseen circumstances, as long as again, the top eight do what they've been doing. Look, Noah Gregson was nowhere in uh, Saturday's race. Nowhere. Until late in the race when he does what Noah's been doing all year long and he ends up finishing in the top five and again keeps himself alive. He right now is uh, 15 points ahead of the cutoff. So, again, as long as Noah has a good race, I think he's got a shot. We're going to talk more Xfinity Playoff right around the turn. Be
3: right back.
1: You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Just stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook. Tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent you.
0: Hi, this is John Andrasic of Five for Fighting, here for Rad, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk.
8: A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
6: Hi, this is Spencer Boyd, and you're listening to Race
7: Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. The League Lap presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. You can find us on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Jacob uh, has left the proverbial building. He was really on the uh, Strutmasters.com race line. Jacob is getting ready uh, to produce the Mitch Walker show, which airs on the Performance Motorsports Network at 9.30 Eastern uh, after our show on PMN. Uh, So... Uh, Jacob is uh, off to production duty here. So we appreciate his time tonight to uh, help us talk about the weekend. So we've, we've got just a couple of segments left. And we were talking about Xfinity and talking playoffs. And, and I, again, when you look at the situation that exists in the playoffs, Chase Briscoe sort of sits squarely in the middle. He's 24 points ahead of the cutoff, which means that he's got over half a race on Michael Annette. But as Jacob pointed out, all it takes is an engine failure. Uh, And Chase really thought that he had the best car most of the day. We have got some sound from Mr. Briscoe. I'm going to let James get that ready. And I'm going to remind you that before the break, I mentioned that Noah Gregson came out of nowhere the other day. This is what Noah has been doing. And I'm actually happy to see it for him. Noah's not been as of late. He's not overdriving the car. He's not crashing cars. He's not. He's just, he obviously liked to be up front fighting for stage points and wins. But the main thing I love seeing out of Noah is that one way or another, At the end of every one of these races lately, he ends up in the top five, and that's what's kept him in playoff contention here. Remember, Michael Annette went to Homestead last year and was, or rather, Tyler I should say, and was off everybody's radar except his own, and he went and spanked him. So not saying that Noah can do that, but saying that all he's got to do is just keep himself going forward to give himself a chance. So I was happy to see the race that Gregson ran the other day. We've got our sound with Chase Briscoe lined up, so let's hear from Chase.
6: Yeah, I mean, I felt like we had the, the car to beat all day long. We were able to, you know, constantly come back to the field, and we had to go for points, obviously, because of our situation, and we were always able to get back. And there at the end, I felt like... know i still could have ran down aj i felt like we were really good on the long run and that's kind of where he struggled and i don't know i I haven't seen a replay still of what happened so it's hard for me to say it always feels different i feel like than what you actually see outside of the cars so uh, i don't i don't know like i said i don't know what happened i felt like i was doing everything i could to try to win the race and knew that pass was crucial down there to try to have a shot to catch AJ, and just uh, like I said, I haven't really seen it, so I don't know what
5: happened.
0: you they penalized for, you know, they penalized
5: Bell for putting all four wheels outside of the racing area? Did you?
0: Yeah. I mean,
6: well, like I know, whatever happened, I I remember looking to my left in the mirror thinking that he was gonna stop because I knew he had of went all four because I was two um, wheels over it. So I don't know. It was a racing deal. I feel like we were both trying to win the race and. There's nothing wrong with that. I just I felt like I got turned down here, and that's what I don't understand. I mean, we're both racing for the win, and uh, I felt like I, I was doing everything I could. I had no reason to, to move him off the racetrack or anything. Um, like I said, I haven't seen it, so it's hard to say, but yeah, I wasn't worried about his penalty. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm trying to do what I can do for the 98 car, and you know, I'm not too worried about those guys. So
5: you treat that line as a wall, right? Because of the rule, right? Pretty, for the most part. Yeah, well.
6: I mean, for the most part. I mean, obviously, you have a lot more runoff because you can kind of go over that curbing, but You know, I I honestly felt like I could take it all the way to that next curbing because I had ran him down almost just straight away. So I thought he was honestly going to give it to me. You know, Cindric, I caught him, and he gave it to me. And in that situation, I already had drove it in really deep trying to, you know, pull out and pass him. And, you know, I was committed at that point. There was nothing I could do to not do that. So uh, he obviously stayed in the gas, and that's what happened.
1: So we can unpack that a little bit. First of all, uh, you know, he – just to kind of explain what you're listening to literally um, after each race NASCAR opens up what they call a bullpen and allows us media to go out there and they bring the drivers to us basically and and it's sort of you know, you've got 15 microphones being stuck, you know, and there. You're trying to just get yours close enough to get sound. So I try to turn the mic around to whoever's asking the question, and that's why you get some variances in the uh, volume and quality of the sound on these things um, from the bullpen. But um, it's a way for them to actually try to take care of us with more drivers and not have to herd them all through the media center for individual press conferences. So with that, we can unpack a little bit about – Chase, when when he talks about, um, you know, the past and, and the incidents in question and all of that, you know, Chase was in a position that he should have been running for the win. But, you know, he, he got turned around late and it was a it was a really tough situation for him to be in. This is a kid that I feel like is like I said, he's right in the middle of this playoff. Could I see him going to Homestead? If he gets there and actually winning the race, yeah, I could, to be honest. Um, remember, his teammate Cole Custer won there two years ago. So I could easily see that happening. But, James, I feel like Chase is one of these drivers that really is probably, I believe, he's going to be another year in the Xfinity Series. That's what I believe. Um, and I believe next year, if he stays down in Xfinity, he runs for a championship.
2: Yeah, I agree with you for sure. he. He, uh, he'll probably be in Xfinity for another year. If he moves to Cup, yeah. that's fine, too. But uh, I think always staying that extra year in Xfinity always helps you out when you make that yes. step up. And we saw what happened when he was running ARCA. He took that time, and he got and developed as yes. a driver. And now look where it's brought him into the Xfinity series. So I think he'll stay one more year knowing what that did for him and then try to take that leap next year to the Cup cars.
1: Yes, I agree. Chase really did a nice job, and this is a case of the result not matching the performance that he gave. He could have just as easily defended his win from last year and been in victory lane. But um instead, of course, uh, you know, the win went to somebody else and Chase, uh, Chase wasn't, uh, I think he was obviously upset about it, but, you know, I thought he handled it very well as compared to maybe a driver or two on Sunday. Um, okay. So we've also got some sound from Justin Haley. We're going to save that for next segment, James. Um, but I want to start to talk about Justin a little bit because um, Justin was a a driver. I talked to on Friday and he came into this race with a ton of road course experience. He's been running a lot of Trans Am races. And this is a kid that re- remember, Albin Dinger is his teammate. This is a kid that I think a lot of people thought would be racing for the win. They had a, a problem with the rear end immediately on Saturday when they threw the green, and he ended up coming back to finish or coming back uh, to 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 race, but just to uh, put him in a real mess. I mean, it's he's he's done. He his playoff season's over. Um, you know, there was no save the playoffs. There was no any of that. He was done. And, you know, it's it's just a shame for Justin that he wasn't able to get back out and 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 contend. Um, you know, this is a kid, James, that, again, colleague racing's really high on him. We're going to hear a little bit from him about how he feels like the season's gone for him. Uh, and I always love talking to him about his dirt racing, and we'll catch up with him on that in the next segment as well, but... Justin's a kid that, that Colleague Racing is extremely high on. He came to this group because he wanted to be with a smaller team. He wanted to help build a team. He loved the setup that Colleague had. Um, he had options, but he felt this was the best one for him. And so far this year, until uh, Saturday, he was looking like he might be able to get, if he got to round two, there were some tracks coming up where Justin Haley could run pretty well and maybe elevate himself to uh, the Final Four.
2: Yeah, I agree. The um, the problem he had there early in the race took him out of contention, I think, now for that championship. Yeah. We're going to Dover, and when you think of Dover and the Xfinity Series, first thing that comes into my mind is Joe Gibbs Racing Yeah, because it doesn't matter who they put in that car, whether it was Joey Logano, uh, Kyle Busch, Seabell, that team finds a way to win at yep. Dover. Which pretty much just tells you know Justin Haley, you're pretty much done. Which you don't want to say. Well, but, he's done because
1: yeah. he can't. He's 109 points out of the lead, and well, he he's, would have to uh, win. 39. Yeah, he he has to win. And if he he has to saying, win with the
2: Gibbs being yeah. as tough as they are, it's going to yeah. be tough.
1: He has to win, and and I don't I don't see him winning Dover. Uh, I don't think Justin sees himself winning Dover, though nobody's going to try any harder.
2: No, nobody will try any harder than he will. You know,
1: you're but, not
2: just going to fall over and give up.
1: Well, that's the thing. But but this is a kid who I think a lot of people need to watch because, number one, he's a very smart young racer. He he adapts very well. He's He's not the over-aggressive type most of the time. He's sort of a bit of a balance between a Ross Chastain, you know, and maybe a, you know, a Briscoe type or you know, even a a Brandon Jones. You know, drivers that are fairly smooth that don't I mean Brandon's had an awful year this year but his season's kind of turned around a little bit. Um, you know, but Justin is a driver that that's going to get you the finishes and yeah. you know once they give him more speed he has more time with alex johns he gets a year under his belt at the xfinity level that kid's going to come out next year and surprise some people
2: i agree with you on that because you saw what he did in that cup car you just mentioned he's not overly aggressive but he drives just about well he's really right. good on speedways and too he drove that speedway race yeah. in that cup car yep. for spire motorsports uh with just the right way you should have he yep. drove it Aggressive enough to be at the right place at the right time well, yeah. when the rain fell.
1: Well and, and they Yeah, the exactly. I mean they it was a that was a perfect pit strategy and Justin, you know, Justin knew that that if that race got restarted, he wasn't gonna win. You know, so he was praying for the rain out and he got it. But yeah, that I think Justin uh definitely has proven himself and we're gonna hear from him in our next segment as we continue. Stay with us. We got one more segment to go on Lee Lap presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety. We will be right back.
0: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life.
6: Hi, this is Chandler Smith and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio, now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to our white flag segment or checkered flag segment, however you want to look at it. Here on lead lap and uh want to thank HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety for uh stepping up once again this year for the third straight year to be a presenting sponsor. Also, of course, uh the folks from Strutmasters, the suspension experts, uh, it doesn't matter if you got a car, it doesn't matter if the car is new or old, it doesn't matter if it's car or motorcycle, they can improve your ride. And if you go to their website at strutmasters.com, you will find out all the ways and all, the, um, all of the different uh, items that they have available to help make that happen. They are the suspension experts. I want to thank Chip Lofton and his group and also uh, the folks at mycomputercareer.edu training for a better life. It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be trained for IT work. It's pretty easy. Just go to their website at mycomputercareer.edu and set yourself up with a free career evaluation. And once you have taken that, if you want to pursue a career in IT, Well, hey, man, it only takes less than four months if you do it the right way. And you don't even have to do it full time. That's the beauty of this. You can do it a few days a week online or at one of their campuses. They have seven of them around the country. MyComputerCareer.edu. They have an excellent track record with their students. They have hundreds of employers they work with to help get you placed When it is time for that, and of course, um, in the beginning, if you need financial aid, they have that available if you qualify, including the GI Bill. So talk to the folks at MyComputerCareer.edu, take the free career eval, and see if IT might be right for you. Okay, last segment, we got one more piece of sound. We talked about Justin Haley at the tail end of the last break. I was excuse me able to catch up with justin on friday before the xfinity race on saturday and uh here's what justin had to say justin talk a little bit about uh the season as a whole for you uh and for college racing for that matter because so many good performances wins and some real veteran drivers coming in to to team with you talk about how the season has played out for you overall what it's been like to be a part of all that
10: it's been about as is expected what i thought we would do coming in here um we uh we struggled at first but it was it's a big step coming up from truck racing to this especially when you're not with the top tier team um you know collie racing needed to build a little bit more and, and we have and we're still building we don't quite have the budget that some of those other teams have so that kind of hurts us in in some ways and um just being a satellite team off of rcr and, and what they've done for us has been super helpful tyler reddick and randall over there have been super tremendous on on giving us data and helping us so um about as expected obviously with losing nick that was uh pretty big for us and and um now i'm with a rookie crew chief this is his third race ever oh wow um this is our third race ever together so um he was our shot guy before this and uh names alex yance he's an old late model racer he's one i remember a few him. times yeah he's got sure. he's got a few clocks but um He's good. We're both young. We both want it. Um, we got both got to prove ourselves. So uh, we're getting along together. Just uh, the whole few months have been uh, a little up and downsy, but um, we're getting there. We're uh, I'm excited for next year.
1: I was going to ask about that. You are set for next year. Yeah, yeah, good. So you'll uh, be able to come back for a second year, and hopefully, everything you learned this year, you just take it up that notch and and uh, can can run more for wins.
10: Yeah, when when I came to college racing, I just didn't want to do a two year deal. So uh, right up front, I said I want or a one-year deal. Excuse me. Right up front, I said I wanted a two-year deal. That way, I could use this first year to learn, um, and then the second year we could go get at it. And obviously, colleague needed to build a little bit more. And, and you see these guys I'm racing against, you know, Christopher, Tyler, Cole. They've they've been in this three, four years. So uh, in that aspect, uh, it, it it takes time.
1: And I know you're still getting to play in the dirt a little bit. Talk about how that's been going this season when you've had the chance to race it.
10: It's good. The Xfinity series is demanding. I tell you, we we uh, it's hard to get a Saturday off to go have fun in it. But it's all right. Uh, I think uh, when I do run it, I'm not as good as we probably should be, just because we're behind. I mean that stuff over there transfers so much and changes every every weekend. So um, I wish I could run it more so we could be better. And obviously, you know, I'm I'm a little little rusty when i do go out there so i think if we ran it every week and we were a full team i think we'd have no issues winning every single race
1: but that's kind of like your playtime for you so even if you're a little rusty and maybe don't finish quite as well you still have a bunch of fun right
10: oh yeah for sure i mean i blame probably 95 percent of our finishes on me so um it's all good
1: <laughs> and uh, justin ailey always fun to talk to and you know it's again these it's interesting when we do these these races as media they have what they'll do is they'll they'll call it a media avail um and it's they'll bring four drivers uh into the theater inside the um media center and they'll they'll put them kind of you know one on one wall one on the other wall one on the other wall so you 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 have basically um And then the media just sort of moves around each driver as they will. And you don't always get to ask all the questions you'd like to ask. Sometimes you just got to sort of put the mic in there and tag along with, uh, you know, whatever everybody else is talking about to get sound. But uh, in this case, I had the chance to spend some one-to-one time with Justin, and that was fun. And again, I I just think that's a team we're going to be talking a lot more about, James, as we go into uh, 2020, not only because Justin's coming back for another year, but because of their desire, if they can put the funds together to put Ross Chastain in a car full time to team with Justin, if Ross doesn't get a, one of the cup cars, that's open. And, you know, also because AJ Allmendinger is going to come back and run a number of races again, that's that team is going to be a tough race team next year.
2: Yeah, you've watched that team just develop from the start. Uh, As a team that came out, they were pretty competitive. And then all of a sudden it just got better and better and better and better. And then to see uh, Haley grow this year from what he started the season at to now, see what they went through with the loss of Nick Harrison. Now he's got a young crew chief still battling strong with him. Haven't lost any performance, just had a mechanical issue this weekend. And then you're going to add a potential, not going to call him Truck Series champion, I'm just going to say a potential Truck Series champion, already Xfin- Xfinity Series winner with Ross to that team who's worked with them, that's just going to make that team that much stronger yeah. with both of them being together.
1: For sure. Yeah, it's really, to me, it's fun to watch a team like Holly grow. And that, to me, is what the Xfinity Series should be all about. You know, I'm not a big fan of, of the cup owners having all these teams in the series. I never have been. Because I think it buries to a great degree stories like this, like Ryan Sieg Racing, which has been a tremendous operation this year. Ryan sitting in 11th in points right now, but you know, there was a point where he was in, in the playoffs or in contention for the playoffs. You've got Greg Galding, who's done a great job for SS Greenlight, sitting. You know, in, in 14th in the points right behind Jeremy Clements, these are the drivers. Brandon Brown Racing had Will Rogers in a car on Saturday, and Will did a tremendous job running in the inside the top 10. Will's a great road racer. You know, these teams are the teams that, to me, we ought to be talking about in the Xfinity series as opposed to the same teams we, we talk about every Sunday.
2: Yeah, this, Ryan Sieg started out owning two trucks, him and his brother. Yep. Both Ryan and, uh, what was it, Shane, Sean? Yep. Shane. Uh, Shane, they both drove truck series, and then all of a sudden, I think it was two years ago, he decided to make the leap from the trucks to Xfinity, yeah. and it pretty much just turned around. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad truck driver. But when he got into that car, it just looked like a completely different driver. Well, they
1: they bought some cars from Chip Ganassi last year after oh, there that whole thing. Yeah, folded, I didn't know I anything think. about yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's what they did, and and that's really improved their their lot. But nonetheless, I mean, it has been honestly a again a, a ball to watch the growth of some of these teams and and how hard they fought. And JD Motorsports right in that mix, and they had um, you know some good good luck yesterday as well. Uh, and good performances: Garrett Smithley and Stephen Light, in particular, Lawson Aschenbach, who would have been the guy you would have thought might have uh, been the guy because he's the road course specialist. Not didn't have uh, such luck, but um, certainly, I think that the um, you know there are teams in that series that that should be getting a lot more publicity than they do, and that's why we try to talk about them on this show and try to bring you um, some different aspects of the sport than what you'll you'll hear and see on other media um you know i just like talking about the underdogs because to me they're the ones that make the sport
2: it's fun to watch the underdog get out there and win sometimes it is you got they're out there competing against all these big dogs and they go out there and they pull one out and i honestly was just sitting here thinking while you were talking about that i was trying to think about the last xfinity series Uh, team that won a title that was just a smaller team. Like last year, you had the truck team who did it. I was trying to think, when was the last time you had an XFAD team you'd have to go
1: back a while probably for that. Um, You know, I don't think uh, um, I have time to look it up here before the show's over, but uh, you'd have to go back a while for that, but I mean, just you know, again, looking at the the Alex LeBay's who finished sixth. I mean, you you start talking about you know Clements finished 11th. It was um, you know anytime you finish in the top 15 and you're a you're a smaller team, that's a good run. If you can get inside the top 10, that's a doubly good run. And you know LeBay pulled that off. Now Alex is a bit of a roady road course uh, specialist, but. Um, nonetheless, that was still a really strong run for that team in the middle of some heavy hitters. I mean, you know, but at the end of the day, Amendinger gets in the college car and goes out and spanks them all. Yeah, and you know, that's what that's what I like to see. You know, you beat out RCR, Team Penske. Junior Motorsports, which we know is basically Hendrick, right? Um, you know, a couple of Junior Motorsports cars were in there. Then LeBay, you know, in a, a drastically smaller team. Nemechek is with GMS, you know. And then you've got Custer with, with SHR, Briscoe with SHR, and Trex with Junior Motorsports. So in the middle of all of that sits Alex LeBay. That was and, like when—oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Was, that was just like when, like you mentioned, Jeremy
2: Clements won. Yeah. Jeremy Clements, that team races out of the same shop his father built yeah. Clements' race engine yep. out of, which is a big name for dirt racing. Exactly. They race out of that same shop. Yep. Like, there is a portion of that building they build race cars in and go to the racetrack. That's with. a
1: win for, for Alex LeBay. And that was kind of the point I wanted to make about this. And, and you know, I've, I, I just sort of feel like at some point we've got to try to level the playing field as much as we can for these guys because they're never going to get to junior level if they can't get the sponsorship and they won't get the sponsorship if they can't perform and run up front because sponsors want to be up front. So, you know, that's uh, that's kind of what I looked at. Aschenbach, by the way, rebounded to a 14th place finish. I, I kind of missed that um, in all of it. I knew Stephen Light had a top 20. Um, he finished 19th and um, it was Garrett Smithley that kind of fell off with a transmission issue. I thought it was uh, Aschenbach, but... Um, you know, Lawson Aschenbach did a really nice job. Uh, and, and again, you know, it's fun to see some of these guys come in and drive some of these cars and be able to mix it up with the bigger drivers.
2: Yeah, I think I was actually uh, on Smithley's deal the time he finished in the top 10. I think it was at Talladega with yeah. the JD car. Yep. I was actually at that race on the road as a road guy, and I got contracted to go change tires and help out. And I was a part of that team when they did it and the excitement he had on the radio was pretty cool.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Garrett's a great kid, and and, uh, you'll hear from uh, both Garrett and Stephen Light on Race Chaser Media tomorrow as well, so keep an eye on the Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram. Race Chaser Media is the place to get... Uh, all of the audio, and um, we're going to be posting several bits tomorrow and and through uh, Wednesday as well. So that's it. We're done. Lead Lap is out of here for another night. Thanks to HMS Motorsport, uh, My Computer Career, and uh, Strutmasters.com. I'm Tom Baker. Have a great week. Bye.
0: You've been listening to Lead Lap Radio Powered by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Lead Lap Radio is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and visit RaceChaserMedia.com.